1: Fellas, it's the Georgia Show. It's Georgia Camp Week. We heard from Kirby Smart today. Jake Rowe, you were there, and the players are about to get it popping tomorrow. Rusty Manziel also on with us, and we'll have a special guest, Matt Godwin, former director of player personnel with UGA, and he's got a story or two to tell, and he knows ball. But before he hops on, Rowe, why don't you uh, just catch us up to speed? You got a piece over at Dogs HQ with your takeaways from Kirby Smart starting the festivities today.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, pretty uneventful um, kickoff to uh, to spring practice, or not spring practice, uh, preseason practice. <laughs> um, it's about an hour past my bedtime, I feel like, but it's only 8.30. Uh, I mean, it was, I'm actually surprised. They've got four foot injuries to begin preseason practice. Um, I'm surprised that's basically it. You know, like, I mean, I, I know that, you know, we could talk all day about, well, you know, those four are, are kind of uh, one of those guys on the men, Michael mm-hmm. Williams. I guess all of them are kind of on the men, uh, Branson Robinson and uh, Smile Monday are running. But I don't know, man, that, that seems like a, you know, a, a, I don't want to, you know, knock on wood or whatever for you guys out there um, who, you know, are, are the ones that worry about injuries. But that's a, that's a pretty good place to start from, you know, with four guys that are banged up, but they're on the men to start uh, preseason practice. Uh, there's going to be more. We all know there's going to be more. Um, you know, a couple other things that stood out to me, um, you know, that the Kirby's always worrying, man. Kirby always uh, is always concerned about something, uh, and uh, he's concerned about D-line depth. He's just concerned about offensive tackle depth. Uh, you know, we can move on to the process. I mean, listen, man, I we got this, uh, Rusty, we got this, uh, um, this media guide, right? That yep. that's the front of the media guide this year, y'all. They, you want to talk about like not putting a player on there, not singling anybody out, not putting a coach on there. The rest, they didn't even put David Cooper on there.
1: They just uh, put I mean, the,
0: like, I, don't, I, mean <laughs> I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think I mean, David David would have loved to be on the front it of that.
0: Says, uh, it says it says twenty three. It says it's got the little uh, thing of Sanford Stadium that you can barely see. It says media guide. And then underneath it all, it says toughness, connection, resiliency, and composure. Very understated. Um, so you know that the process is a big part of everything. We dive into all that over at Dogs HQ, uh, where, by the way, you can get one month for $1, or you can get 25% off of an annual subscription right now uh, if you want to come check us out. But uh, very understated um, You know, thing. He, he talked about a lot of different stuff, and you can go over to Dogs HQ to see all that. Um, but those were the things that kind of stuck out to me. I, I, I don't know what's going on with that media guy, man. I, I don't, I, I've, I've never seen one that didn't have a player on it.
2: I think that they were going to announce Guthrie's was going to be on the cover, and it didn't, yeah. get Guthrie's didn't get announced till today, so it didn't make
1: sense. <laughs> there goes Rusty, he's going to Guthrie's. Uh, <laughs> I think Kirby might have designed the front, man. I don't know, maybe he uh, had some artistic input into the design of the thing
0: you know it didn't it didn't dawn on me that it might be just completely intentional to do it that way until i started showing it just now like that that it maybe it's just kind of one of this hey listen this is a team deal um you know i don't know maybe that's a symbolic you know the new england patriots running out the you know being announced as a team in super bowl what was it
1: yeah that first one they won
0: yeah whatever was it I can't remember what Super Bowl it was. But, yeah, that one they won against the uh, Rams. Um, they wanted to be announced as a team. And uh, maybe that's what this is. I don't know.
1: Um, I was kind of – I was interested to hear a couple things. The injuries that you pointed out, uh, he pointed out his observations of Carson Beck as a leader. And he said that he's just kind of an even keel dude. I, and we don't really know much about him. And when I say we, I mean the people that – aren't covering the team day to day because he hasn't really had to speak to the media too much. He's kind of been behind closed doors and that's Kirby's observation of the guy and his word to all the quarterbacks, no matter who wins the job is just to be where your feet are. I think that's good advice for anybody, uh, especially someone that's trying to be a quarterback of the best team in college football, but also all the guys that are already on campus uh, that have been there since spring and summer, how he has to kind of explain to the younger dudes hey, um, it's not summer anymore. This is the real deal.
0: Sorry, i have muted and unmuted. Um, Jumping back to, you know, kind of, you know, what you're talking about with the quarterbacks, about being where their feet are, Um, man, I thought one of the best things he talked about today was, hey, I don't want these guys, and he didn't use prisoner, but that's the word I'm going to use. I don't want these guys to be prisoner of the results. I wanted to be prisoners of the process. I wanted to be obsessed with the process, obsessed with getting better. And and honestly, man, if you if you go you know jumping back even further, if you go back to spring when Carson Beck and Brock Vandergrift, I know I've brought this up many many times on this show, but it's is it, it is a it is a quote that has stood out to me. Um, and, and I will respect the kid for from here to the end of time. Um, I don't care if he ends up selling Chevys or if he ends up you know, as a Hall of Fame NFL quarterback, but Brock Brock Vandegrift to saying, um, listen, I would have transferred if I didn't think I was getting better. Um, That's the guy that that the process means something to him, you know, and I think Kirby's got a good group. I think he's got a good group of guys there in that quarterback room that aren't going to be obsessed and aren't going to be prisoners to the results. Mm -hmm. They're going to buy into the process. And, um, you know, if that's what he wants out of that group, I think that's what he'll get out of them. And, um, uh, the thing about Carson Beck kind of kind of stood out to me as well, Wes, where he called him very laid back. Um, Kirby smart, Rusty, not very laid
2: back. No, and I apologize. <laughs> I think my 1987 Atari laptop just crashed, and it's going to be a bad day tomorrow. So I switched to my uh, other computer, so hopefully I won't lose me again. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, it, you can tell watching a little bit today that uh, it's go time for Kirby. Um, you flip that switch, and I think that's one of the things I'll we'll, we'll be interested tonight to talk with Matt Godwin. And, again, if you guys didn't see the first podcast we did with Matt Godwin, um, what a great piece of information. I mean, this was Kirby Smart's right-hand man basically for a long, long time. And I'm interested to hear how he talks about transitioning from recruiting into camp mode and what's that like, uh, day-to-day things like that. So we did talk to Matt and, and he did turn his phone off. Uh, he did turn the, uh, the dings off. So he's I was going to tell him if y'all didn't. So yeah, <laughs> he's he, get- he got
0: the, uh, he got the iMessage alerts, uh, <laughs> taken care of for us.
2: So he's going to be good to go tonight, but excited about those types of questions from him to talk about those types of things and where he is and what he thinks, uh, the Georgia uh, – I want to talk some personnel with him. We didn't really dig in too much, but, you know, we're not going to dig into the 2024 class with him, but the guys that he evaluated and signed uh, under, you know, when he was there, I, w- I want to know what he thinks about these freshmen and, uh, you know, how these guys can make an impact.
0: Rusty, I heard that he knows exactly what K.J. is going
2: to do and he's going he's to <laughs> reveal it on the show tonight. That's why we got him on. Ooh, I tell you, man, <laughs> this is one – I'll tell you this. This is one of those ones – that we haven't had in a while where there might be three schools when he turns on that TV station or he turns on our YouTube station Saturday night on our own three YouTube station channel uh, that might think they're going to get him. So I'm very interested in how the next couple of days go. And listen, I was at Buford yesterday and, you know, I, I do the Falcons this morning. So I was in, in the neighborhood, went and watch practice and I didn't really push him too much. I know what he's going through this week. And uh, I'll say this, that everybody around Buford, it was like, look, he ain't, he's not saying much you know even you know dylan raola was there and you know kj's keeping it close to the best of his decision right now our message board
1: is on fire with yeah. threads just called kj kj golden yep. yeah so we'll find out we'll find out very soon yeah, we're going to
2: watch that Saturday night uh, on our, our our channel. So, uh, Josh Newberg will host that. Um, I think I'm actually going to go. Uh, his mother invited – I've covered AJ since he was a uh, – I've covered AJ since he was a um, ninth grader. And, um, you know, I think I'll go regardless of where he ends up I and mean, be there for us.
1: Must see YouTube viewing there on the On3 YouTube channel. Also – must-see viewing tonight as Matt Godwin joins us. And I will not cover up his face there. What's up, Matt? Thanks for coming on tonight, man.
3: Hey, guys. How are y'all doing? Great. We're good, man. We're good. How are you? Uh, I can't complain. I'm living the dream over here in Atlanta. <laughs> so. Had some barbecue tonight and ready to talk to y'all. I we, get get IMS is,
2: we got the IMS is muted. That's the only thing I need to know before we start, man. Yeah, good so man. I,
3: I got a lot of crap last time. from just about everybody, <laughs> friends, family, my mom um so we we've addressed that it was not my phones last time yeah. It was i iMessage on my computer so we, oh, uh, we know how to turn the notifications off for that so we're not ready.
0: not only that but a little less sunshine on the face than last time you'd think you would played a little golf the last time we had you on so it looks like you maybe didn't just get off the golf course this time. exactly exactly yeah <laughs> so I've,
3: uh, I've been in the office five days a week so i have not been golfing since then but i need to get back out there
1: Where'd you get your cue tonight, Matt?
3: I'm sorry. Oh, it was uh old brick pit right off Peachtree Road. So it's uh, it's about two minutes from my apartment. It's about five minutes from my office where I work. So it's uh, it's a perfect spot. But uh, mm. right next to Pete, Peachtree Golf Club.
2: Not Not check it out.
3: Spot. Not yeah. a bad spot. It's a good one.
1: So Matt, we uh, we're just talking about Kirby firing camp up. Just heard from him today as uh, the ceremonies begin on the 2023 season and not a lot of fanfare as you might expect. But one thing Kirby talked about was how summer and spring have changed over the years and guys are around the building uh, around the weight room all spring and summer. There's not a hard line in the sand of guys reporting for fall camp anymore. How do they break that up now? How do they flip that switch on the mentality of these dudes who are just having to, you know, some of the younger guys who maybe don't know what they're getting themselves into.
3: Yeah, I mean, like you reference, I mean, the calendar has changed for everybody. It's changed for staff, it's changed for players, I mean, all around. And uh, really, when you look at it, I mean, what these kids do um, on a daily basis, year over year, is pretty impressive. Um, You know, really, when you look at the calendar – the time of year they get off is basically May after their spring semester ends and they get a little bit of time off late June, early July with a discretionary period. But outside of that, I mean, these guys are working. Um, And, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I I got a cool story on this. So going back to 2021, you know, obviously first national championship season may comes around classes end. And, um, you know, not many players hang around in May, and uh, Devontae Wyatt was a guy. He said, you know, he went to the coaching staff and said, guys, you know, I don't want to go home to Decatur. I don't want to go home to Atlanta. I want to stay here. I want to take some class because when I go home, I don't eat right. I don't work out right. I don't do what I'm supposed to do. And, uh, obviously, that was a good sign for that team and that player But, uh, I mean, really, you know, I mean, these guys, I mean, they're they're working all through June, all through July. You know, in July, they're doing a lot of seven-on-seven. They're doing a lot of conditioning. They're doing a lot of lifting. And, you know, obviously, spring practice is a big evaluation period for the staff. Um, You know, you get a good idea of where your roster's at, what you got. But, you know, what happened in spring isn't necessarily going to translate over to fall camp because – That month of July is huge, and there's a huge opportunity for guys to really develop some strength, maybe start moving a little bit better, reshape their body. So just because a guy was doing something in April doesn't mean he's going to do it in August, and that goes both ways. You know, a guy might have done really well in spring, and he might come in in August not ready, and then you might have a young guy that puts on 15 pounds in July – and looks really, really good. And he's a different player than he was in the spring. So, really, I mean, these guys work incredibly hard. Um, they care a lot. They're invested in themselves. They're invested in the program. And, I mean, they, they they don't get much time off. And that's not just Georgia. That's everywhere.
2: Matt, we'll see the picture behind you there. I don't know if you can see the screen with, with Cedric Van Paran. We've, yeah. we've had some conversations, you know, you and I over the last couple of months about him and Tell me and what, you know, me and you've talked about before um, and, and tell this audience how big a deal that was to get Cedric Van Pran back and how close was that for him to actually go in the NFL?
3: Yeah, um, you know, Cedric was a guy that, you know, we felt like we had to get back. And mm-hmm. it's not just the fact that Cedric Van Praan's a good player because he is, he's a really good player. He's, you know, preseason, all SEC, all the accolades, all that. But what Cedric Van Praan represents as a person is what separates him. I mean, he's the best leader that I think I've ever seen or been around. Um, Incredibly intelligent, deeply invested in the program. I mean, this guy gives us all every single day. And it's a testament to him. Um, But, you know, with with Cedric, you know, we were going back and forth with him in January and – you know the decision date. I think to declare for the NFL draft is like January 16th or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, those were some some late nights. Um, you know, going back and forth between Kirby Cedric, all these different parties. Because um, we 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 had to get him back, and we felt like if we could get him back, you know, we're we're gonna have a really good chance this year. Just because that's that's what he means to the team, and the guys care about him, they love him, and you know, we all love him. You know, we we wanted Cedric to be there, and ultimately, you know, Cedric came back because he loves Georgia, he loves the fans, he loves his teammates, and you know, he I don't think he he felt comfortable leaving before he was ready. Um, so, you know, that was that was a fun week there in January. Um, you know, kind of before I got out, but obviously, I mean, tr- tremendous person. I mean, I can't say that enough. And um, obviously I'm excited to see what he does this year and, you know, down the road in the NFL. Matt,
0: I've heard Kirby reference this a lot. Um, Coming into camp, he talks about the NCAA has been, you know, good enough to allow us to do walkthroughs. And I mean, I don't know if we want to get in the weeds as far as what the rule is, because I'm sure it's probably more complicated than it should be, but, how, about how much have they been able to be hands-on and walk through and stuff at this point now that they've started? And, and how much have they been able to get done in, in terms of being ready to, to hit, the, hit the ground running in practice?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the coaches have been doing some meetings. Um, but to be honest with you, I mean, there's not a whole lot they can do. It's really up to the players. And what the team gets out of July depends on the kind of people you have on your roster. And if you have a really good roster with really good people like we have, they're going to get a lot out of the month of July. Whereas if you go to some programs around the country where their guys may not be invested, um, you know, they're, they're not going to get a whole lot of out of July because the onus is on the players really. Um, Cause they're doing player led seven on seven. So, you know, they're, they're not doing a whole lot of install or stuff like that in July. It's really just focus on conditioning you know, doing some concepts that have been ingrained in the offense and defense for years, So it's not a whole lot of new material. It's just kind of getting the wheels moving and moving in the right direction so that when camp kicks off, everybody's ready to roll. But really, you know, the month of July and the summer, I mean, it's player driven. It's how how bad do they want it? Do they want to get ready for camp? And, you know, hopefully the answer for us is yes, and I think it will be, so.
2: What's
1: Kirby, a typical go ahead, go ahead Wes. yeah, I was I was just gonna say Kirby mentioned the connection of the team that he hopes to see again and I, I think a lot of that comes through Cedric van Pran uh, as we spoke about earlier, but it has to be more than just him and with the new quarterback stepping into that role and uh, all the guys that are back. but you know once again, a lot of them leaving for the NFL, how surprised were you last this time last year to see that leadership? not miss a beat from all those uh, senior leaders who did go to the draft and just to see SVP and guys like that immediately pick it back up? Because it seems like now there's been enough of a blueprint laid for this team to to kind of know what it takes to be player-driven, player leaders, and holding each other accountable.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's there's no question that we lost a lot off that 2021 roster. Um, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think coming off of it, you know, there was definitely, you know, I wouldn't say concern, but it was just a question mark, you know, who's going to step up for us. And really, you know, you had guys like Cedric, and you had a few others that, you know, really immediately stepped up and kind of took the reins from the Nicobe Deans of the world and, you know, the, the Quay Walkers of the world, the Trayvon Walkers, Um, you know all these different really really good players that we had that were good leaders you know those were big shoes to fill, and like I said it was a question who was going to step up but really I think it became pretty apparent that we had a good group last spring 2022. Um, Now I don't think any of us could have said you know yeah we're going to win the national championship because you never think about that you know it's always the next day it's the next practice you don't you don't think about stuff down the road like that, but um, I mean, we, we had a really good group. We still have a really good group and um, really it starts with Cedric, but I mean, you, you got some good veteran players on that team. I mean, Xavier trust, lab McConkie, Kendall Milton, you know, I mean, these are good players, a, but really, really good people that are good leaders. Um, So it's, it's always a question year over year, season to season. But the way we've recruited and evaluated, you know, that's that's a big part of the evaluation is the person. Um, And I think that it's become increasingly important in the NIL age and everything that's going on in college sports is you got to get good people. So,
2: Matt, talk about um, a typical camp day. So you're you know, this is the first year you haven't been in a camp, but you've been in every Kirby Smart camp. Um, talk about a typical camp day. What you don't have to get into the the whole itinerary, but tomorrow's practice for those players. What's tomorrow look like for those guys? Meetings all day. How, how does that? How does that work?
3: Yeah, um, you know it's 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 a lot. You know, it's um, I think back in the day, you know, you'd hear about two days, and I think oh, yeah. a lot of people have been through two days, and you know, college football and football in general has evolved to where. That's not a thing per se, but what you get is walkthroughs in the morning. You get some meetings in the morning and they kind of break up. They go eat lunch, hang out a little bit, come back for more meetings, probably an hour and a half of meetings, and then it's practice. So you're getting, I mean, I I don't know how many hours of football a day, but you're getting two separate sets of meetings, two separate sets of walkthroughs, and then a two hour practice or whatever it is. So it's, it's a long day. And, you know, from a personnel standpoint and the role I was in, man, August was fun Um, because you're coming off that July mad sprint recruiting weekend. And, you know, really in August, it's just about kind of evaluating some players, cleaning up the board, getting ready for official visits, getting ready for game days getting ready for the fall evaluation period and kind of mapping that out. Who's Kirby going to see, who's, you know, office coordinator going to see, et cetera. But, you know, really, when you're in that DPP role, you just get to watch practice and you're evaluating the roster. Um, and, you know, it's fun. But when, it, when I think about camp, you know, I really break it up into two segments. Um, and I don't, I'm not saying this is the correct way to look at it. But this is always the way I looked at it is you have, pre-scrimmage number one, and then you have post-scrimmage number one. And pre-scrimmage number one, you know, in those first practices, the coaches are just trying to get the guys to, you know, play fast and physical. You know, you're, you're you're evaluating the roster a little bit, but really you're just trying to create good tempo and intensity in practice to the point that we get to that first scrimmage. First scrimmage plays out, and then after that first scrimmage, you're really focused on the depth chart and personnel and, okay, who's actually going to play. But early on you're installing and you just want the guys to run and hit. And, you know, it sounds simple and it it really is, you know, because that's the important thing is getting the guys in the rhythm of practice so that when you're two weeks out from that first game, then you can start to hone in on game plan and scheme and situational football and all that stuff. But, Early on, we're you know we're we're trying to see those guys go play ball because they haven't really played football since April. So,
0: so on one hand, you know it feels like when camp starts, recruiting is just it, it. almost feels like it's done. But I feel like I know I feel like we know enough about Kirby Smart to know that that's not a hundred percent the case. So, yeah. what, what does it happen? What is it like with the coaches? Because right now we're looking at a period. I'm not going to ask you about these things specifically because I wouldn't want to put you on the spot, but. KJ Bolden's about to make a decision. Nate, Nate Frazier's about to make a decision. There's communication's going to be ongoing in the coming Mm -hmm. days. How hard are they working on that during camp? Is that, I mean, is it a grind for them to kind of balance that with decisions coming up?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's really tough for the coaching staff because you can't just put recruiting down. You know, you got to maintain that level of communication that you've had since last year, or however long you've been recruiting the kid. So I mean, you're stacking long, long days on top of each other. And a lot of it's focused on football and the practice. But, I mean, the coaches have to spend at least an hour a day recruiting, whether that's texting, whether that's calling, getting on Zoom, whatever it may be. So the recruiting never goes away. I mean, as you said, and especially with Kirby. I mean, Kirby puts such an emphasis on recruiting that you can't just neglect it. Um and, you know, you hear whispers from other, other programs around the country where it's like, yeah, man, we get to August and our coaches put the phone down. you know, <laughs> they're, they're focused on ball, they're focused on the season and rest assured that is not the case of Georgia. So you, you recruit 24-7, 365 and that work-life balance is always tough in football. But in August, it is especially tough
2: for those 10 full-time assistant coaches. Matt, give me give me give me uh, two minutes on Michael Williams. That's a kid that you as I obviously evaluated. Uh, that was a big deal, you know, flipping him back from USC. Uh, but you, you, Michael Williams, you know, you saw some flashes ended last year, uh, especially in the Ohio State game and some of the things he did. But talk about Michael Williams and where you think he is entering his second fall at University of Georgia. Yeah, I mean, Michael,
3: I think is a guy that a lot of people are excited about and rightfully so. Um, you know, and I think Michael's freshman season was interesting because if you go back and look at that Oregon game, he actually started, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. first college game starts as a true freshman and Tremel Walthour ended up being the starter pretty much all the year. But Michael really came on strong at the end of the year. And what you get with Michael is you get length, you get flexibility, you get power, you get the ability to bend. And he's just a really well-rounded focused football player. And, I remember when he arrived, you know, last year, this is, you know, he's an early enrollee. He gets there in January. And I remember February <laughs> he's out there running on the field by himself, just running tempo runs, just sprinting 53 yards one way, taking 20 second break and then 53 yards back the other way. And when you have a freshman that's been there for one month, that's doing that kind of stuff, you know, you you, you have a guy that might have a chance to be pretty good. So, I'm excited to see what he does. You know, when you're talking about that defensive end position in the defense, he's really what you're looking for. You know, he's he's 6'5", he's two sixty, 260, two sixty five, 265, and plays the run equally as well as he plays the pass. And, you know, that's what George is looking for because we're never going to sell out for the pass and sacrifice the run game. And it takes a special kind of player to be really well-rounded and be good at both, and I think – Mike Hill has the opportunity to do that. So I'm excited to see what he does. But, again, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but really, really good kid, really good person. And a lot of the times
2: that's that's what makes somebody a good player. So. I went down and shot his commitment video, I guess, in March of his junior year. And I had it for well, about two weeks, and he was like, we're going to put it out. And then the NCAA changed that rule where you could do those June visits and do the summer visits, and I remember Michael calling me going, hey, put that video away for a while, and next thing you know, I thought, man, I'm never going to use that video because he's committed to USC, and so luckily I held on to that video, and uh, you guys were able to flip him back, but I'll never forget, I had a Georgia commitment video of Michael Williams for about two weeks, and when the NCAA changed the summer OV rules, uh, obviously that opened him up to take visits, and he went out to L.A., uh, USC hadn't committed for a while, so that was a that was a kind of a behind the scenes crazy part of that recruitment. Yeah, and
3: uh, that, I remember that was a that was a tough time for me and everybody involved. Um, <laughs> obviously, Michael was somebody we had really prioritized. I mean, he's an in-state kid; he's got all the measurables, all the athletic ability that you in that. And you know, he commits to USC. And I remember the day it happened, it's probably 11 p.m. that night. Mm. We're in our staff text thread, and it was, like, batting down the hatch. Like, it's like, it's time to go, yeah. you know. Um, not that we had put it in neutral or not that we weren't actively recruiting him, but it was like, whoa, you know, it, it woke us up, you know, to be honest yeah. with you. And and obviously, you know, Trey Scott did a great job with that. But really, Del McGee um, kind of – Columbus, orchestrated that. Columbus. There you go. That that Columbus, um, those roots run deep. So um, I'm glad it worked out, and obviously, you know, we're, we're glad to have them. So.
0: Michael Williams is also the owner of a five star handshake. Um, him, uh, Trayvon Walker, Laramie Tunsil, Trayvon Walker's dad, Steve Walk- uh, Walker Steed um, Walker. You know, those those guys are the ones that had that index finger go about halfway up your forearm when they shake your hand. Like you, you know, you know, you're shaking the hand of somebody that's that's full grown at that point. Matt, I wanted to ask you, you're very familiar with this second year class. We just got through with a, what we call a second year surge series over at our, at our site. And uh, I wanted to ask you just in general, obviously you brought, you, you know, Malak, we know Malachi. we know, you know, Michael, who from this class that's left, um, you know, cause they lost all the Washington boys out of this class already. And um, you know, a bunch of other guys, who out of this class that's left are you excited to see or maybe think has a chance to break out this year um, from that, you know, from that 20, I guess, 22 class?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a couple guys that stick out. Um, one immediately is a guy like Marvin Jones, um, you know, battled some injuries last year, came in, you know, last June. Obviously, was very highly
2: touted. Hey, can I ask can – I, can I break in right here? Let me ask you a question on Marvin Jones. So he had a torn labrum, correct? Yes. And that happened pretty early in the season, right? Yeah, I mean, it
3: was it was something that was lingering from his high school days, and this mm-hmm. is a guy that gutted it out. You know, he's, he's a tough yeah. kid. He's intelligent. And I think he showed some toughness and resiliency, which are, you know, four of the traits that are central to the program. And this guy showed a lot his freshman year. But, you know, really I think he had a challenging time last year coming in with a bit of an injury – um, and, you know, it's, it's hard to play early in our defense make no mistake, you know, we have guys play early every year, seemingly, but they earn it, <laughs> you know, and I think, you know, the, the odds are stacked against him in just a little bit with that injury, but I'm excited to see what he does. Cause there's a lot of opportunity at that position. Um, you know, obviously Nolan Smith is gone. He went down last year, uh, with the pec injury. And then you had Robert Beal step up and start for him. But uh, – and you, and you got Chaz Chambers coming back. But there's, there's a lot of opportunity at that position. I'm excited to see what Marvin does. I know what kind of ability he has. Um, he's a really intelligent person, um, you know, on the field, off the field. And that goes a long way in that defense, uh, make no mistake. So, he's definitely a guy I'm looking out for. And another one is uh, Kristen Miller. And I'm not going to say this guy's going to break out, but – um, you know, I think the interior defensive tackle depth is obviously – it's always a point of concern with Kirby Smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. make, make no mistake. Um, you know, he – and back when I was there, we spent a lot of mental energy and time worrying about offensive line and defensive line. And Kristen Miller is a guy that I think has a great opportunity to step up to see what he can do. Um, you know, obviously it's well documented that Barry Alexander – transferred out went to USC you know Bear was able to make his way on the field last year flashed some twitch on third down and now it's you know it's kind of Kristen's turn because you you've got a good nucleus of veteran guys coming back but who's going to be that fourth guy and potentially even pass up some of those veteran guys so I'm excited to see what Kristen does he's got the frame you're looking for he's a good athlete but um you know, ultimately, I mean, a lot of this can be decided over this next month.
1: Kirby said today that he is worried about the depth at tackle on the offensive line, and it doesn't surprise me because it's Kirby. But you know, we're looking at this O line coming in as one of the best in the country. I, I mean, how how big of a concern can it really be? Oh, uh, I think the number two funny you
3: ask that because let me tell you that Kirby Smart is worried about every single slot on that depth chart. I mean. <laughs> The sixth <laughs> corner, the seventh be. He's, he's worried about it all. And that was my job to be worried about it as well. So, um, <laughs> I can, I can kind of see where he's coming from. Um, just because you you have guys that haven't gotten major snaps. You know, that there's guys that have a lot of build, of ability, like Monroe Freeling, Austin Blasky's been in the program, Ernest Green has a lot of ability, battled some injuries last year. And then, obviously, Amarius Mims, ended up starting what two or three games then last year. So, you know, there's talent, you know, we, we evaluated these guys, we signed them for a reason. There's just not many in-game reps. And, you know, we, we practice for a reason in Georgia, we practice the right way, but you don't know how a guy's going to react once they get to an in-game situation. So I wouldn't say that there's not depth It's just as much as there's just uncertainty. So, You you don't know. And, uh, obviously, we'll hash that out over the next month. I'm excited to see how that position shapes up. Um, You know, I think, obviously, I think a lot of people are penciling in Amarius Mims, and I think that's that's pretty fair based on the way he played it in the last season. But it's going to be a good competition, and, obviously, it's an important position. I mean, if you look at our offensive line over the last few years, I mean, in the last – I mean, since Kirby's been here – I used to dig up these numbers on a regular basis, but I think we've had more offensive linemen drafted than any, any other school since Kirby arrived. And, you know, everybody talks about the defense and Kirby's a defensive coach. Well, we, we, we put some big men in the lead now and some guys that have some pretty unique qualities too. So it's a point of emphasis. And obviously it's going to be an important one for the season because offensive line is a volatile position. I mean, these guys are – ramming into a 300 pound man across from them every single play uh so there's going to be injuries there's going to be a little bit of a little bit of attrition so you got to have depth and last year we rotated seven guys every single game and you don't see that you know uh, that's just not something that happens you know usually teams have five guys and they just play those guys you know we we rotate um and and it's pretty
2: amazing to see how that works out so that's probably a longer spiel than you wanted, but yeah.
1: No, that's perfect.
2: Two guys, I want to ask you about uh, going back to maybe touching on Jake's question. Maybe you're going to talk about. Cut you off. Yazid you know, <laughs> Haynes and Dylan Bell, two wide receivers, and those were guys that I feel like, and you could may correct me here. Those guys were camp offers. You worked them out, and the staff was like, "Hey, we got to sign these kids." So, uh, you talk about some guys that may not kind of see. The first minutes, but guys, I'm hearing kind of some all season buzz about.
3: Yeah, I mean, Dylan Bell was a guy that you know I talked about last time about Dylan Rayol being a relative unknown, and Dylan Bell was the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was going around different colleges, working out at camps, came to our camp, worked out really well. You know, he's he's a pretty unique wide receiver frame. You know, he's about six foot. He's 210, 215, so he's really stout. And that's not a frame you often see a wideout. You know, that's a frame you often see at
2: running back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
3: I will call upon
2: you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
3: But, you know, seeing him go around cones, change directions, seeing the twitch and the quickness, you know, he was a guy that we were really, really high on after his workout. And, you know, I remember Monk was like, you know, we, we were we were all talking about him and Monk, you know, who has a really strong background with receivers, you know, when he was an offensive coordinator in the NFL, a lot of the time he wasn't coaching the quarterbacks. He was coaching wide receivers. And, you know, he was so good at putting things in a really concise way. And he just goes, guys, it's like you don't see 210 pound guys get in and out of breaks like that. And that's all he said. <laughs> and that was it and, um, and a lot of times this stuff is that simple And uh, you know, obviously we signed him I think last year He had a promising freshman season And I'm excited to see how, how he can build it And I think he's a guy that gives you some versatility He can play outside He can play inside He's good with the ball in his hands And uh, again, he's a good kid And he's smart, you know, he learns well um, So that's important And then with Yazid, you know Yazid was a, another camp eval, but it wasn't at our camp. Um, so the NCAA still allows for schools to come to other camps. So, you know, every summer, you know, we would host, you know, University of Pittsburgh, Appalachian State, whatever. All these different schools would come to our camp and watch and evaluate. And they're not necessarily watching the upper end, you know, Georgia pro- prospects, quote unquote, but they're, they're just trying to see if they can get a steal out of the state of Georgia from wherever. And it goes both ways. You know, we, we can go to other camps. So, you know, we um, we sent a couple coaches up to the Temple camp up in Philly and uh, saw Yazid Haynes work out. And I remember there were only like 10 clips. And, you know, BMAC gives me the camera. We get the film uploaded. And I'm like, damn, BMAC, like we couldn't have gotten it. a little more than 10 clips. But <laughs> just on those 10 clips, you could see the change of direction, you could see the twitch, and you could see the speed. And then we got him back down and worked out again. And, you know, it was pretty clear that this guy was a really, really good athlete that was under the radar. And uh, Mac and Fran Brown did a hell of a job, um, you know, signing Yazid. And, uh, you know, he flashed a little bit when he enrolled in December. But you, you can't look much into what happens in December, you know, uh, semi-final practices but you know he got there really really early and showed some of the tools that we saw when he was recruited so um, i'm excited to see what he does. i definitely think he's a guy that needs to add weight you know when we recruited him he's really really light but he's a developmental uh, prospect that has really really good speed and when you look at the wide receiver position the position now more than ever is defined by speed. You know, I think for a long time in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, you wanted these 6'4, 6'5 ball skills, red zone targets. And I think the position has evolved where you want guys that can just flat out run and can take the ball 60 yards to the house. And, um, what a concept, man. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's just the way the game's evolved. But, um, yeah, like I said, I think Yuzi can really run. Hopefully, he's been able to put on some weight. I don't know if he has, but uh, he'll definitely have some opportunity there. Matt, so I, got, know, I got, I got
1: one more, uh, and I want to get to some comments in the uh, in the live chat here before we move on to some current recruiting talk. And I know Rusty wanted to squeeze one more in there too, but you know, obviously, a little bit changing with the offensive coordinator situation. You know, Bobo was there. Uh, you know, analyzing the offense and all that. But what is a quarterback competition going to look like in this camp? Kirby, you know, he's not going to announce a starter right now. We all know that. Beck, presumably, putting the pieces together. But with this much talent in this quarterback room, it's wide open with Stetson gone now. What does this look like, especially with Munkin no
3: longer here? Yeah, I mean, I think (laughs) – and I think – The transition in terms of coordinator will be pretty smooth. You know, Bobo was here last year. He's a really good football coach. He's really bright. He's a really good communicator. I think he has a good relationship with all those guys. But really in fall camp with that competition, you're trying to, A, create game-like scenarios, so situational football, third down, red zone, you know, one-minute drive, two-minute drill, stuff like that. But ultimately, you're trying to give each guy a fair shot. And – you know, it's pretty simple how you do that. You have guys rep with different groups and against different groups. So you're going to have each quarterback rep with the ones, rep with the twos. You're going to have them go against the ones. They're going to go against the twos. Um, so you're trying to put them as, in as many different equitable situations as possible so that you can get the best possible evaluation. And, you know, that, that takes a lot of effort, you know, on the team, you know, with Mike Bobo and the offensive staff kind of distributing reps. But, um, you know, in the past, we've done a really good job with that. I know we'll do a really good job with that this year. And, I mean, there's still competition, you know. Carson's obviously really, really talented, but so is Brock Vandegrift. And let's not forget about Gunnar Stockton. Um, So, I think, you know, there's a good problem on our hands with three really good quarterbacks. And, ultimately, it's going to play itself out in practice – And those scrimmages, you know, those two scrimmages that we get in the fall are so, so big. And they're a huge evaluation point, not just for the quarterback position, but for the entire roster. Because, you know, practice translates to gain some, but those scrimmages translate a little bit more just because there's a little bit more pressure. Um, So the players, it's it's always good to see who's going to perform well with the
2: lights on, so to speak. I know your program still, you're not employed at University of Georgia, but I know your mindset. So I'm not going to put you on the spot too much on a 24 class because those kids aren't signed. But I do want to ask you general question. Stacy Searles, the offensive line class, he has signed. And let me ask you this two-part question. What's your thoughts on what Georgia has done O-line class? And there's two kind of thoughts of O-line recruiting. Either you want a kid that's 6'6", 270, that you can build into 300, or you want a kid that's six seven three sixty 360 that you want to try to get down to 340 to play, um, you know, a two-part question there kind of on the O-line recruiting and O-line, and O-line thoughts evaluation-wise.
3: Yeah, um, I think hats off to Coach Searles. You know, I think when you're coming into a uh, staff with Kirby, you know, it's an adjustment period for assistant coaches. It just is. And uh, some sink and some swim, and I think – Stacey Searles is definitely a guy that started swimming this year. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed with those guys. They're big. They're athletic. They're smart. They're versatile. And that's what you're looking for. Um, you know, and, and really, I think in a place like Georgia, offensive line evaluations are, um, I wouldn't say easy, but they're maybe easier than other positions. Um, but I I mean hats off to them. It's not just Coach Searles, it's yeah. Man Ray Santamore, his GA, Jeremy King, yep. David Cooper, Fran Brown, Todd Hartley, even, Del McGee, you know, it was it was a full team effort, and they they really came together and they've got some good players. But going back to, you know, kind of the evaluation recruiting philosophy, you know, um, the strategy that's worked for us is taking the six, seven, 360 pound guys and trimming them down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's not a Stacy Searles thing. Um, that's not a Matt Luke thing. That's not a Sam Pittman thing. That's a Kirby Smart thing. And really that idea, it, it derives all the way back to Bill Parcells. Um, you know, it's Bill Parcells, it's Bill Belichick, it's Nick Saban, it's Kirby. And I think Kirby obsesses over the size aspect maybe more than any of the other three guys I just mentioned. So (laughs) at Georgia, we want big guys that can move. And, um, you know, there's a saying that I'm sure people have heard, but big people hurt little people. And (laughs) I'll leave you with that.
1: (laughs) Man, that list of names you just mentioned is going to get a lot of Georgia fans irrationally excited. That is pretty good company for Kirby to be in. Uh, Matt, stick with us for a couple more minutes, if you don't mind. We're going to get to some questions from our message board, and in the comments, we'll just buzz right through them. Before we do that, though, I got to shout out our people at BirdDogs. BirdDogs.com slash dogs. Listen, y'all have been listening to us talk about these pants and these shorts. As you can see, uh, I've got the shirt on today. And now, if you go to BirdDogs.com slash dogs, or use the checkout code DOGS. You don't get the Tumblr anymore. They ran out of those because so many of y'all bought it. Now they got these, these hats. Okay. I don't know. It's the first time I put it on as my internet just goes to hell. I don't know if this hat is for me, but maybe it's for you. So go to slash dogs, check it out. They got the best shorts, man. I'm telling you, it feels like I'm not wearing shorts. I walked outside and I had a panic attack because I thought I wasn't wearing pants, but I was. I was wearing bird dogs. They're that comfortable. Go to birddogs.com slash dogs. Uh, Matt, so we got some questions here in the chat. Our guy Alex Jarriott. Jar Jariat or Jar uh maybe the Jariot. team is silent. Jareek yeah. something
3: like that. Yeah. He's been
1: pretty conf- uh pretty 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 patient here. And he wants to ask you about Jalen Walker's transition to inside linebacker. Really unique skill set. He's a big person who can probably hurt some little people.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, Jalen is a guy we recruited to be an inside linebacker. Um, you know, Jalen's dad was a college head coach, uh, which any anytime you can sign a coach's son, I think that's always a good opportunity. Jalen was a good track athlete. He was a good basketball player. So a really well-rounded athlete. And he came in last year, you know, started at ILB and really through lack of depth, you know, we realized he was a guy that can contribute on third down. And he, you know, it's, it's hard to find guys that can play inside linebacker and outside linebacker. And he's one of those guys who can because uh, he's he's got really good flexibility. He's really twitchy. He can run. He can bend. And even though he's probably about six, one and a half, you know, he's got good enough length and long enough arms where he doesn't get swallowed up by offensive linemen because that's the issue you run into with a lot of times with those, you know, short, sawed-off guys is they just kind of get swallowed up, you know. With a guy as long as Marius Mims, you know, they just can't can't get to their body because that offensive tackle's arms are so much longer. But Jalen's got really good length. Um, He picked up the playbook really well. And, you know, he was flexible. He, he was willing to, you know, kind of try a different position if it meant, A, getting on the field and B, helping the team more importantly. So, um, yeah, really, I think we've always viewed Jalen as an inside linebacker, but he stepped up when we needed them, you know, on third down with the pass rush. And uh, I think, you know, he'll, there's a good chance that he'll have a role there this year. Uh, But, you know, really, I think on a down-to-down basis, you know, his long-term future as it is at inside linebacker based on his size and athletic ability and his intelligence. You know, it takes intelligent people to play inside linebacker at Georgia, at Alabama, and I think, you know, he has that. And I think he's got a really bright future in whatever capacity they need. And, you know, versatility at every position, both sides of the ball, is such an important quality to have. And Jalen's obviously proven that he has versatility. So I'm excited to see what he does this year and in the future. Um, Obviously, there's some really good players in that inside linebacker room, and there's some really good players in that outside linebacker room. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shapes up.
1: Uh, Got a couple more. Uh, Got one from our message board. When evaluating personnel and setting recruiting priorities – which, if any, positions have a greater emphasis on their height and weight and speed versus their documented performance on the field, if that makes sense. I,
3: did, did you follow that question? Do I need to rephrase yeah, that? Uh, that absolutely makes sense. You know, ideally you want both. You know, you want a guy that's a dominant player. You want a guy that's big. You want a guy that's fast. Uh, but, you know, at, at Georgia's core, at Kirby's core, at Nick Saban's core, Going back all the way to Bill Parcells, you know, that's where all this ideology comes from. But we are a height, weight, speed program. And, you know, we've taken some exceptions over the years. But if you take too many exceptions, you get yourself beat. Um, And usually exceptions work out because they have some exceptional qualities. You know, maybe you take a guy that's a 5'9 wide out, but he runs a 4'3" you know, four, three speed is an exceptional quality where he can make up for his lack of size. So, you know, we want big people that are fast. And ultimately, we have a really good coaching staff. They're going to be able to develop them. Um, so, you know, we, we've taken some raw players. We've taken some projects. And, you know, we're willing to take that risk because what Kirby's done over seven years, is he's built up really good depth. And you can take more chances when you've got good depth. You can take a flyer on a guy that may be a two-, three-year project Um, because you've got really good players in front of them, so you don't need them to be good early. But, you know, really, you want guys that are good on tape. You know, (laughs) you you don't want a guy that's getting beat up on tape. But, you know, I'll, I'll use an example. Andrew Thomas just signed a contract for $117 million for the New York Giants, most guaranteed money ever for an offensive line contract. This guy gave up five sacks in one single high school game. That's that happened, you know, and you say, how in the world is that possible? Well, you know, he didn't have good technique. He didn't know what he was doing, but, you know, he got to Georgia. He developed, he cared and he developed into a hell of a player and a big reason, you know, he was intelligent and he was big and he could move. So, uh, like I said, obviously you want the best of both worlds. And there's times where we just take a good football player, but. You know when you see Georgia get off the bus, I mean it's 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 different, <laughs> and uh, I think anybody who went to that national championship game. When you looked at our team versus the other team, you know there there's a noticeable
2: difference. So I went to Sandra Thomas play Love it one night, and he played both ways, and I thought, my God, this kid is not going to make it. But he was he couldn't get over he couldn't get in a stance in the second quarter because he was give out, but he was playing both ways. And I thought, man, oh, boy. But they got upset that year early in the playoffs, and he went to work. And when he came to San Antonio, he was the best offensive lineman there. So I figured he was going to be okay. But I know what you're talking about. I saw him play Love it one night in a pace game, and, and, man, he was sucking eggs and chasing little bitty DNs. I was like, oh, man, this guy's never going to play at Georgia much. Uh, but he got his mind right and got in shape. And come January, he was the best offensive lineman. Uh, out there that, that whole week, and that was kind of prelude to what was going to happen with him.
3: And and particularly with Andrew and offensive line, you know, he's he's got special length and he can really move. And, you know, especially up front, you know, that's probably the position where we take less exceptions. You know, you, you hear conversations revolving around personnel with O-line and D-line. You hear the word frame a lot. He's got a good frame. You know, this guy – Doesn't have great tape, but he's got a good frame. Or this guy has good tape, but he doesn't have a great frame. So, you know, you want guys with frames that can move, that have functional movement ability. And, uh, you know, the best place to evaluate that is camp. But, I mean, you can get it off tape too. So, again, that was a a long answer. I know I'm long-winded, but um, like I said, we're at a high-weight speed program, but we also want guys that are good on tape.
1: That's why we bring you on, Matt. We appreciate it, dude. Uh, you have been just great tonight. Thank you for all your insight. It's been awesome. I don't have anything else. Ro, Rusty?
2: No, we're going to have him on. Um, I, I hadn't even asked him, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, Matt. We're going to have you on quite a bit during the season. And uh, some of the games, you know, as we get into, like, you know, week two, Georgia's got – who Ball state and you got Alabama, Texas. I know you evaluated a lot of those kids. So I'd like to have you on some of those times to talk about some of those teams and some of those rosters, because let's face it, Alabama and Georgia recruit the same kids. So you're going to know a lot of those guys and kind of what you think, but man, I enjoyed having you on again tonight. You got your IMS's ding. You <laughs> can tell mom, you did a good job there. Uh, you, you were good and cleared up for tonight. So I uh, appreciate you being on tonight with us. Yeah. yeah man, Thank you guys. I had fun.
1: Yep, we did too. We're going to end it on that note. We'll catch you back here this Sunday, 8.30 p.m. on the Georgia Show, 9 o'clock on Monday for Bark After Dark. It's football season, y'all. Exciting times. We'll catch you soon. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.